Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is happening? Welcome back. Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. It is Friday as this drops. Closing your week out strong. Tying a bow in the national. Had some boots on the ground. My correspondent, if you will. The guest on today's show. My man Joey at the E-Trader on Instagram. I know he had a good time. He was sending me pictures, updates throughout the event. Wanted to have someone who was there to come back on the pod to share their experience of what went down. That's what we're doing today. If you like what I'm doing over here, subscribe, follow. Most importantly, you know the drill. Tell a damn friend about the Stacking Slabs podcast. Without further ado, let's kick into the conversation. What is happening, everyone? Welcome back. I think we're we're going to try to tie a bow in the national, and it was difficult for me as not being someone who was there. Um, I kind of called in some contacts and said, I need some correspondence. I need some boots on the ground so we can have a, a conversation on Friday where I can get kind of a, a good pulse on what happened at the show. I think we all lived through our phones if we weren't there. And there were so many different narratives and people um, sharing their experiences. And we're not going to be able to probably bring everyone's thoughts and thoughts about the show into this conversation. But I do have Joey, the E-Trader, back on the podcast. He was at the show. He's been in the hobby for a long time. So I kind of called him in to, to be the voice of the national um, on the Stacking Slabs podcast. So Joey, I know you got in late last night. Thank you for joining me. And uh, how you doing? Yeah, Brett, thanks for having me on, man. Um, I'm doing great. Uh, you were definitely missed. Uh, your name came up a couple of times. I knew you weren't going and I I ruined it for a couple of people and told me we weren't going to be there. But uh, it, it was it was great. Uh, it's probably my my seventh national would be my guess. And um, it was definitely uh, the busiest I've I've ever seen it. And it was it was different stages of busy as well, which we'll, I'm sure we'll get into. We certainly will. And I will, I want to maybe just like jump off here. I was checking your Instagram story and I know you had like a little bit of a story sale action going on, but you had a very passionate comment that I want to, I'm sure you felt it coming off the heels of AC, but you just said like, Hey, everyone, like, don't let anyone tell you that the hobby is dead. So like, yeah. maybe just like, wh where'd that come from? Like share some perspective there. Yeah. So I, I did a lot of deals and trades and whatnot. Um, you know, over, over the weekend, obviously, and through, throughout the week. And I figured, you know, we're sitting there on, on Sunday getting ready to leave. And I said, all right, well, well, some of the stuff that I brought with me with the intent to trade, uh, let me let me throw it up on eBay. So I, I started, I did the eBay listings, did the pictures. And you know what, let me just throw these up on my story. So I threw them up on my story and three of the six cards sold within 12 hours, right? And the other three were, people were asking about them. Now, mind you, I had also put them on eBay, right? And I really got, I got a couple of low ball offers like they normally get, but, but that was about it. But three of them, three rural buyers right away, super easy deals. Let's go, right? Um, so that's kind of what stemmed 
that comment coupled with purely my experience from Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, uh, it was just, there were just deals being made everywhere. You had kids all over the place. Um, people running around, obviously you had your fair share of influencers with the cameras, you know, running around a little bit, but, but the, the meat of what was going on, there was massive deal-making going on everywhere. Um, and you know, a lot of it is too, when you notice certain cards and you're walking around and you go back and then you notice the card is gone. Right. Um, I was seeing that a lot and yeah, but, but that was really where that stems from and people were willing to make deals man however however you wanted to do business if you were being from my experience if you were being fair and reasonable um it was great now i will say that there, there was a lot of comments going on about the wi-fi and you really couldn't look up comps oddly enough like thursday and friday there was no there you weren't getting wi-fi T- towards the end of the afternoon the three three o'clock people started to leave then then you know the service started to come back a little bit but um you had to go off gut man or instinct uh, fortunately for me, I, I had my old notepad, my old school, you know, archaic way of doing it. It's an electronic note. It's in my, it's the notes in your phone, but still I had everything that I brought listed out, how much they go for. Um, and then what all the things I was looking for and how much they kind of go for. So I, I didn't need, I didn't really need it. It's not a big deal for me. So I definitely like, we're going to spend a majority of the conversation getting into the show. Um, but maybe like just to before we move past it, touching on the like story sales that you had, I think one of the things and the takeaways I got was people and maybe some rub was around the prices of cards and what they were listed at, and maybe dealers not being able to move off those prices, which we can get into. But you pricing your cards to move, like I think this there's something people can learn here, right? People coming back from the national, there's probably a lot of people who need to move cards. Um, gain some funds back. How did you price the cards that, or was it the just the cards themselves were rare? The prices were nice. Like maybe talk about just like how you're able to get those transactions done so quickly. Absolutely. So, so I definitely priced everything fair, and you know that's what it's all about. Sure, every national, every card show that I've ever been to in my entire life. Okay, there's dealers that have overpriced cards. That's not new. You know, it's like, yeah, we've had a little bit of a dip in, in, in the market, a dip, quote unquote. But I was talking to Kevin about it. That that was a lot of that was people holding back. And part of it could have been a fear of, you know, the economy and inflation and all these words that we've been hearing for three years. Right. But another part of it is like, hey, the biggest card show in the in the the entire world is coming up. So I'm not going to buy something on eBay unless it's cheap or it's exactly what I'm looking for. Otherwise, I'm going to wait, right? So I think a lot of people had that mentality. And uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I said I priced the cards based on what I thought they were worth is, is really, and, that, and, and that's what I do. And I looked at, you know, if it's a, if it's a 9.5, I look at a PSA 9, a PSA 10 and priced accordingly. Yeah, I, I usually only have rare stuff, um, but, but still I look, usually it's card ladder is what I'm using. And you look at what they've sold for, price it in the middle, give somebody a deal because you're not going to have a third party's fees and, and move on down the road, man. You know, when I, when, when I, when I decide to part with something, I'm ready to let it go. So. So the, the car, I, I saw your, your, the cards you posted and they were all like very nice stuff, stuff that you, you know, you'd see in a showcase and people would stop and probably want to talk about it. Um, Did you just have this mentality that, 
I brought these cards to potentially trade and I'm still with them. So you have like, you mentally had moved past them and that's why you put them up in the story. Yeah. I, I moved past them when I decided to bring them to, to the national. Right. So at that point, but, but at the same time, I'm not one of those people where it's like, Oh, well, I'm not coming home with them. No, if there's no deal that makes sense, well, I'm not going to give them away. Right. Um, so, so yeah, I, and, and that's, that's difficult to take that emotion out of it because most of us are like, okay, Hey, I'm done with these. And especially if you're going to something like the national where you can, you can find someone that would buy them or trade them or whatever you want to do, how much you're willing to take is a whole nother story. So being able to separate that, I think is, is something that, that people should do and they should, you know, understand that there are other avenues to, to sell that your cards and don't, don't get it's hard to, to not get emotional because we all do. But when it comes to maximizing the value, you got to take the right steps. What I also like selling them on the story is, you know what I'm about to say here, you know where they're going. Yes. So if you, if you, first of all, you can see if it's going to a good home. And not only that, if you need to go find it, you can. So if you feel like, hey, I, I made a mistake, I want to get that back or whatever the case may be, it's, it's a little easier to track somebody down. And I was kind of happy to see that that one of them, the the um, the Randy Moss Atomic, went to uh, one of my friends' good buddies, and he's a good collect, big collector, and he's been looking for the card. So that makes it even better. That one went to flippity flip, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I when I saw that card posted, I was like, <laughs> I I we, you know how you get in the groove where you always send people cards because you know what they like. And that was one that I think I was like getting ready for dinner and I saw you post and I was like, I got to send this to him. And I didn't. And then, you know, I checked the story sale this morning and you had posted that it had went his way. And I, I don't know. I, I, that's why like, I like the, I always promote the fact that like, if you got cards to sell, like eBay's, you know, going to get the most eyeballs, right. But it's all, it, it doesn't hurt to put them up in your story sale. Yeah, I was, uh, I said, I, I was pleased. I was very pleased with the results. And uh, I kind of had a feeling that, that that a couple of them would sell. And I was happy that they did. So it's easier. So, and, you know, and, and like I said, I, I'd rather sell them to people that, that I know uh, way before, um, you know, even for less money. Just so, so I know they get a good deal. They're happy. We know where it's at. And it's kind of a win-win. No doubt. So let's jump back to the national um, and dive in. So you mentioned you had your notes app out. Um, you're someone who's been to the national several times. Um, I would, you don't, you don't go in blindly. You have some sort of strategy in place. So maybe like yeah. talk about your approach going into the show. Like what are the types of things that you're thinking about? Do you have a list of cards that you're after? Like your goals, that type of thing. Yeah. So definitely absolutely need strategy. You cannot, you can go on there blind, but there's just so much going on. Your head's going to spin and you're, you're not going to remember anything. So yeah, my, my research really starts once you start to see the dealers post pictures and their booth number, probably three weeks before it starts, whenever, whenever that starts to occur, Hey, bring in this inventory of the national stuff like that. So, uh, Justin six ten cards, become a friend of mine uh great guy always has amazing inventory who's ironically the last guy I had on the show we started talking a couple of months or maybe a couple of weeks maybe a month before the show and uh we were able to hammer out a deal there and I knew kind of what he was looking for um 
I wanted to, you know, kind of feel them out a little bit and talk a little bit, and 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 we made a deal pretty quickly. So we we've we've done a couple of a couple of deals in the past, and uh, great guy. That led to another relationship with Clay's Cards that I'd never met Clay, and and he's a super nice guy, wealth of industry knowledge. He's been grading cards for years, right? Way way before all this boom, and uh, he was great to talk to. He was great to meet. So. So um, that relationship came out of that. But again, do, having, a, having a plan and knowing what you're looking for, knowing what the values are of what you're looking for, and knowing also what you have to trade. And a big part of that is, is uh, and Justin already covered this, but having, knowing what your trades are worth, right? Don't, because the dealers, they don't want to sit there and look up every comp they want to they want to say hey what's this worth what's this card worth that's uh, so last one did two grand blah 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 have, have have a story obviously have facts so have a factual story and you can make deals quickly and i'll be honest with you i don't even think we even looked them up i don't even think we looked anything up i really don't i think you might have when we were done right but um yeah and 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 you know having that strategy is very important so what i also put in the notes is if I see a card that I like that maybe caught me off guard that maybe is similar to what I'm looking for and not the exact one, I'll ask him, hey, what's your booth number? Put that in there, whatever the card is, Kobe Bryant, ABC, uh, and their price. Save it. Because even though you think, oh, it's next to the Starbucks, I'll remember this, you're not going to remember. It's not going to remember. So uh, having that strategy is, is really important because you can always go back to it. And even if you went home, and you changed your mind a week later, hopefully they still have the card. You can look up the dealer and find them on Instagram, find them online, whatever the case may be, and go back to them and say, hey, you still have that, that Kobe card? I was thinking about it. Would you take some trade? Would you do this? Would you do that? And then, you know, pick it up later. You don't have to buy it at the national. I mean, hopefully it's, you know, it's possible a lot of this stuff moves, but, you know, you don't have to do it. It could, it could also be a, a session of finding ideas to enhance your PC which is another, another thing why I like it. You're walking around, you're seeing all this inventory. And yeah, even if you are prepared, you're still going to see things that you weren't thinking about. They're not on your list. And maybe a variant of that card exists that you can then go after, right? So, so having that plan and, and having you know, the factual knowledge of what you bring as ammunition to trade, right, is super important because... The dealer's not, they don't know what you have until you show it to them. And if you've got 10 or 20 slabs, they don't, they're, they're busy. They don't want to sit there and, and look up every single one. They want to know, what do we got here? Okay, can we make a deal or not? Move on. Because you, you saw this all, all week, especially Thursday and Friday. These guys were, these, the guys with the best inventory, they're sitting there making deals. So there might be two or three people you know, waiting to talk to them and don't waste their time. This is their living. This is what they do. This is how they make their money. Obviously, we're, most of them are collectors as well, but, you know, respect their time as much as they're going to respect yours. How, how many of the cards you came home with, I guess, like what percentages were, were, were de like deals that you kind of set up or teed up in advance um, as opposed to like, cards you saw from you know walking around and you know a, a card in a showcase stopping you in your tracks well i would say like more than half 
I had staked out pre-national, right? Where meaning I saw like RBI crew had a had a card that that I saw because they were posting picks. Hey, we're booth one, two, mm. three, four. This is what we're gonna have. I saw it in the corner. I'm like, snapshot, gotta go there. Zoom in, um, see if you can see the price. <laughs> yeah, I know I'm, I'm not the only one that we all do that, right? Yeah. Like I, I know we do, right? Um, and yeah. Uh, so, so it's probably about half. And then I brought, I would say, you know, 35 slabs and a lot of them were smaller cards that I have every intent to trade them into bigger cards. Right. Mm-hmm. So I've been on this path the past like two or three years to just consolidate my PC, consolidate it, consolidate, consolidate it into almost all rare parts, really rare, really low pop stuff. That's tough to find, you know, because I feel like that's what I enjoy more and that's kind of where the market is going as far as like a long-term store of value. Right. And it's, 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 it's a safe, it's a safer place to be in my opinion Um, because there is no market manipulation. If there's only five or there's only 10 or there's only 50, right. Chances are somebody's not sitting on 30 of them. Right. Um, And chances are someone's not going to pump the market either because you know, and try, try to deflate it afterwards because it's just, it's too hard to do. And most of the good stuff, the collectors are too smart anyway. So the, uh, yeah, the, maybe like talk about the, the qualifiers that you apply to that, that, and I think it's like the it's giving yourself some security and also like confidence in your long-term strategy by, you know, buying a card that not only you think looks cool, but then, you know, is of someone that's, of a certain status and the cards in a brand that is relevant and it's, you know, of five, 10, 20, whatever it is, like maybe talk a little bit about like, what are those like qualifying buckets you are, are looking for when you think about store value? Because that's something I know you talk about, you've talked about every time you've been on the the show. Yeah, man. So, so, you know, the obvious things apply, like, like, you know, try to, it's gotta be someone that's likable. That's so important. Okay. And that's, that's across all sports and, and it doesn't have to be a quarterback. doesn't have to be a point guard. doesn't have, it, it's, they, they have to be likable. Right. Um, that's number one. Then number two, the actual card itself has to be identifiable, meaning mm-hmm. it has to have some sort of notable attribute. that's going to have somebody looking for it. Uh, whether it's first year exquisite, whether it's gold, it's a refractor, it's, uh, you know, something, um, so, something that, that ties back to, you know, some sort of hobby provenance, right? First year prism, last year tops chrome. I mean, all that stuff is what I'm always, always looking for. You know, I kind of stay away from, let's say, like a pigskin refractor. Super obscure. You can, it, they're really cool, right? But you can show that if you can't show it to somebody, if you have to show it to somebody and give them a really long story of why it's cool, that's fine. But that's like PC. That's not something that I would spend a lot of money on, right? Bro, just, I, just, can, can I comment on the pigskin? I literally had someone on Instagram post a pigskin. It was somebody like uh, maybe Reggie Wayne or something. And I like commented back and I was like, bro, great card. Like of 25, the only year they did that awesome. And, and their response back to me was, I had no idea it was the only year they did it, which you know what I mean? Right. To validate your point, right? Dude, dude, even PSA gets them wrong and puts them in the wrong slabs, right? <laughs> so like, 
that that's a red flag, right? That's something that's like, okay, hey, this is cool. I like it, but but don't, you know, kind of bank on it, right? Um, so yeah, any of those notable attributes I'm always looking for. Obviously, serial numbered stuff is 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 always, you know, more important, but not it's not the end all be all because there's plenty of stuff that's serial numbered that I've never seen before. Like Drake's always sending me awesome sick manning cards but i'm like man dude i've been collecting since i was like five and i've never seen this card before it's great it's cool it's an on-card auto it's nice but i've never seen it before right um so yeah something that you can literally show somebody say, oh wow that's that's essentials credentials or whatever something that, that there's something that has to be about the card that somebody could recognize you know can you maybe share some of uh what you came home with just to give the audience to some perspective. I, I know you're pretty excited about some of the pieces. So, okay. So I'll, I'll share this one that I was super happy with it because it's one of these cards that in the early two thousands, there was Fleer, you know, they went bankrupt or whatever the hell happened. And all these like non-serial numbered cards went out their back door, whether they were through employees or whatever the case would be. So it's technically a real card, but there's no serial number on the back. So it's probably used to potentially replace damage card or something along those lines. And there's a lot of them out there and BGS will usually slab them. And, but they suck because they're not the pack pulled one. Everybody wants the pack pulled one. Right? So there's this particular Brady card that I've been looking for, for I don't know how many years and I don't know how many card shows I've seen one that's not serial numbered for sale. And unfortunately you don't know unless you flip it over or it's slab. And so you almost get this like false, there it is, right? So that's probably happened to me six times where it's been a false, there it is. Well, this time, not only did the guy have one, but it was serial numbered and it was already in a PSA slab. And I was like, I just grabbed it. I was like, I, I asked him if he was flexible. He said no. And my response was, I don't blame you. So there it is. So wow. it's a, it's a um, 2004. Uh, Tom Brady uh, essentials credentials future and they're numbered to 47 right um and yeah this is number 24 so so this was like one of those things it's dude I, I don't know how long it's been on my list I, I don't know a long time right so so it was kind of cool to grab this I know I know Paul's got one or I think he's actually got the uh the one that's even shorter printed but but it was cool to grab this and like I said in a PSA slab because a lot of these are in BGS slabs. So, and I prefer PSA, just a preference. So this was probably, probably my favorite because um, it was a surprise. Mm -hmm. I didn't expect it. Um, so that, that, that was, that was probably my favorite. And oddly, like I kept going down the, the uh, essentials credential train because this one also then popped up uh, as available for trade, mm. right? Which was great. Uh, and this is a Frank Thomas from 1998. Now this is a PSA 10 and it's a pop one. So these were numbered to 93. Um, so this is kind of cool because I love nineties baseball stuff. This is like where, where I really started to collect. I didn't get into to football or basketball until a little later. So when these kind of, these rare ones pop up, it's just extra special. And, and I said that, that was cool. That, that was really cool to grab. So those were like surprises, you know, and and that, and I was really happy to get to get to get to come home with both of them. And you know, me and the captain did a nice deal. And uh I was hoping know, you'd talk game. about this. 
Can you talk about the captain deal? Yeah. So, so, you know, like we've all been stalking his, cause he, he does an amazing job of merchandising himself pre-national. Unbelievable. Right? He's got, he's got everything in his flicker. All, I mean, you know, total teacher status, right? Like he's so freaking organized. It's amazing. Right. He's got his flicker in separate folders. Like I don't even look at his PC folder. I don't even look at it because I don't want to look at it because there's going to be something in there that I want. that's not, not available. So he's got like, separated and I'm going through them and I'm like, Oh shit. Like you're going to part with this, this gold vinyl. And he said, yes. And, uh, you know, it was kind of cool because, um, we, we, we were able to arrange a nice, nice deal for that. And, um, he's getting into other sports, not just football. And I didn't realize, um, he doesn't really, he doesn't, he doesn't have that much experience in, in other sports. So it was kind of cool to trade him some other stuff and tell him, you know, what to do, what he can do with it and, and how he can turn that into, into sales. And it was nice to have those conversations in his booth rocking, dude. So that card in particular that I'm talking about is, is the, the, uh, 2018 Brady gold vinyl number to five, number one. So that yeah, card that is, was cool. Dude, congratulations on all of yeah. those, but especially that one. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. And, and these like, you know, you gotta see them in hand. The, the, the pictures don't, don't really help very much. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's awesome. But, but I knew that was coming. So like, you know, I, I knew about that. I was coming for a couple of weeks. So I was, I was, it was already marinating inside me that I was going to have it and still great, but you know, when it, when it's a surprise one that you have no expectations to find and you do find it, it hits a little differently. The, uh, the, with the, the gold vinyl, uh, deal, like, I don't know, like, you know, that card, right. Any Brady collector would see that card and want that card. And, um, you know, I can't even imagine like, the negotiations from like someone who owned that to the market, like there would be so much back and forth, this and that, but like, I'm guessing a big reason why you got the deal done was you obviously are buddies with Kevin and have the relationship. And so how important do you think like having those existing relationships are going into a show like the national to not, to not only, yeah, just to like end up with the cards that you, you wanted. Super important because first of all, aside from being friends, we also know what each other's intent is, right? So I know that that Kevin's like, okay, he's turning this, he's turned this into a, an, a in, into a business. It's his living. So I know from the other end, whatever whatever we trade with, he's got to sell, right? I'm not trying to get his emotions involved. I'll say, okay, Kevin, what, what what's going on? What, what do we need? Okay, hey, you want liquid stuff, stuff that that you can sell pretty easily or stuff that trades really easily, great, right? I'm not going to try and really um, push him in the stuff for his PC necessarily, although one happened to get in there and I had to give up some good ones. Um, but knowing where each other's mindset is professionally and just as a collector, I think speeds up the deal to 100 miles an hour, right? Because it's just easy. You know, it's just way easier where we're not going through multiple sensors because if you don't know him and you don't know what he collects or you don't know what his his business motives are, you're, you're going to spend a lot of time messing with that, having that discussion before anything happens. So, so I think that's, that's probably the most important part of the whole deal. And it's, is really, it speeds it up and, and, you know, knowing that you're not going to offend each other, no matter what you say. Right. And I trust him and he trusts me. So, and, and the reality is too, is if we did something and, 
and I made a mistake or he made a mistake. And this week he says, Hey man, we comp this at X. I just saw it. We made a huge mistake. We missed a zero or whatever. Dude, we'll make it right. Whether it's Mm -hmm. my fault or his fault, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You just make it right. So that's super important. And honestly, I like to do business with people that way, whether it's in the hobby or in real, you know, in my professional career, I want to do business with people that, I, that, that we like each other and we trust each other. Because that way, if something does go wrong, there's not a question of whether or not it's going to get fixed. It's going to say, hey, how, how can we fix it? You I know? love that. Um, it's such a good nugget. Um, maybe we can get into the, the, like people who didn't go to the show, things we saw on Instagram. And you can help maybe like share some of your personal experience on like if this was a just an, a one person issue or if this was kind of like an across the board issue. Um, I think like one of the things we 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 heard if we were sitting on our phones all weekend was just like the struggle to make make deals. I mean, you led and just said, yeah, like I was making deals, deals were happening. But I think um one of the narratives that was out there was just like, you know, from the dealer perspective, a lot of people didn't want to move off of their cards, which many people said, you know, were likely higher than, you know, the last comp or whatever. So I don't know, like you can take that with a grain of salt. I think if you're an observer from afar, but maybe just like talk about just like any of those things that you might've seen on Instagram, like the, the, the struggle with dealers and like maybe validate, or, you know, discount any of those things that we as observers might have, have been seeing from our phones all week? Yeah, so a couple of things. So like I had brushed on earlier, every single card show, you have dealers that have, you have some dealers that have prices that are too high. Okay, you do. And the reality of that is, is oftentimes, and I noticed it on a couple, is that they, they may just have old prices. They may not know. Right now, some of them you can ask and they'll say, yeah, that's what I need to get for it because I paid X and they're unrealistic and you just move on. Right. You just move on. But in the end, if people that do this for a living and they're relying on this income to, to live and, and, and feed their family or whatever the case may be, they're going to be realistic. But at the same time, on the other side of the table as a collector or the customer, right, they, the, if you're going to trade, they have to make money. Right. So the trade has to be in their favor. Now, you may be getting what you want. Right. But in the end, a small percentage of the deal has to be in their favor. Otherwise, why would they do it? It doesn't make any sense. So if you have that, um, if you don't have that mentality, if you're not prepared to take, you know, 70% ish of what the last one did, then don't even waste your time. Because it's just, it's just back in the day when I, when you were a kid, and you went to trade a card to a, to a dealer, right? Or sell it to them, whatever. They're going to give you literally half of the Beckett price. That's the code. That was it. There was no discussion. It was like, okay, what is it in Beckett? 150 bucks. I'll give you 75. The end. There was no, well, give me 100 because one sold per. No. So I look at it now, is it, it's better. 70% is better than 50, right? And the reality is too, it, it does take time for people, for you to, merchandise your own stuff and sell it and put it out there and pack it and ship it. And then obviously the companies get their cut and all this other stuff. So if you can't understand that, right, then you're going to bitch on it about it on Instagram. Okay. That, that, that's really the best way I could say that if you can't understand that, but, but again, there are always going to be the dealers that are unrealistic or, you know, their prices are just old. 
Um, I, I was talking to, to this one guy, I had a Jordan refractor that I've been looking for. And like, you know, that one that kind of took me off guard because the price seemed really high. And I'm like, and I'm thinking, man, it's high. And, and, and fortunately I was able to look it up. It was on Saturday, which actually was the slowest day I was there. And, uh, he was super high and I told him and he was just looking at me. He knew he was old and I, and I, I get it. He was probably 75 years old. Right. And, you know, he basically thought I was kind of lying to him. And I'm like, Hey, that's, I'm just telling you like, Hey, I'm not trying to, you know, whatever, but he was literally 130% more than what the last one sold for. And, he, and, and I'm convinced that that price was probably a year old, mm-hmm. probably from the last national. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you saw some of that and, and, and again, you know, if you can't go into it with the dealer having to win mentality, Okay you are going to be disappointed. That's just the reality of it. Um, and again, you're always going to have exceptions on both sides. Just going to happen. Uh, but that was my perspective. And, and, you know, a lot of these guys have become friends and we talk, we talk personally and we talk as friends and we talk as collectors and they're all reasonable. They're all very reasonable. So, so yeah, I, I think that, that you have to have the right ma- mindset going into it from both sides of the table. I, there's such a herd mentality in the hobby. And I was just like, based on like the stories and what I was seeing online and then just visualizing Atlantic city and thinking about the showcases, like my perception, and I'd love for you to, to validate this or not, but my perception that was, there was a lot of dealers trying to move young, unproven quarterback cards. And that was like, Every post I saw was like, you know, freaking Zach Wilson or, you know, your boy, Mac Jones or somebody like there was just so much of that. Like, and whenever you see so much of that, like to me, it's always just like red flags. Like, Hey, everyone, are you sure you want to go get involved in that? Maybe like, did you see a lot of that stuff? Was there anything else like that, that you saw a lot of, like maybe provide some commentary on that? Absolutely. So I'd like to say something too to any of the younger guys that are out there that are just getting into this, you know, be mindful of other people working a deal. And I've, and I saw this happen multiple times where you're talking to the dealer about a transaction, right? And yeah, maybe there's like a, a a five second pause in your discussion. And then somebody probably younger swoops in and is like, Hey, you buying this? And they have a card it doesn't necessarily fit the dealer's inventory and they're just going around to everybody buying this, buying this, buying this. And whenever I saw that, I saw that multiple times, every single time it was a treble, Trevor Lawrence, it was a Mac Jones. It was a Joe Burrows, something that was low numbered with a patch and they always look different. So like not to sound old, but there's so many cards that are numbered to five, numbered to 10, blah, blah, blah. My favorite. And I hope he listens to this and he learns from this is that, I was working a deal with a, and I, I wound up not trading for it, but there was a LeBron Boulder Fractor that I really liked. Like a, it was like an 06 Finest or something. It was a really cool looking card. And we're kind of talking, and the guy was really cool. And then literally this dude just kind of interrupts us, and he has this Mac Jones prism. And it was, I thought it was a snakeskin prism, but it was some other something prism, right? And it was in a BGS 9 holder, and he was trying to get like, 10 grand for it. And part of his rationale as to why it was worth 10 grand is because it was a pop one. And I felt like saying to him, like, dude, you have a four month old card in a BGS holder that's a nine and it's a pop one. Of course, it's a, it better be a pop one. Well, what is it supposed to be? 
You got five different grading companies, right? And how many, the card's three months old, right? Like, but he was like, it's pop one, pop one. Like, come, like, dude, it, it was just, you saw a lot of that, man. You, you really did. You saw a lot of people with one card that they were trying to push and it fit, it checked the box that you just described, right? New prospect quarterback, low numbered, expensive. And they were trying to push it. And whether they were trying to sell it or trade it or whatever, but I, I saw that multiple times just in my observation. So I can't imagine what somebody like Kevin, that's got a lot of quarterbacks, saw that as occurred. So that was an interesting observation. And, and, and almost everyone I saw, they were just like, yeah, I'm not interested, or maybe I'd trade for it. And it was just kind of a lukewarm discussion. But dude, there are a lot of cards that have those guys on them that are 10, 20. 30, 40, 50, $60,000, man. Like it blows my mind. It absolutely blows my mind. This one guy had a, a case of Josh Allen cards, right? And I mean, dude, there wasn't one in there that was less than 10K and there was probably 30 of them. Jesus. 25. Like what? Like, so it's just the gambling aspect is so baked in. It, it, it's there's so much baked into those prices. I just, don't know what would have to occur for, you know, like Josh Allen, for example, not hating on his collectors at all. I think it's great that, that everybody's got that passion to be able to do that. Right. But what has to occur for those prices to maintain? You know I mean? Look, look, look at look, it's, it's, I just don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that. It's, it's just crazy. It's crazy to see. It's good. I mean, we're seeing, you know, a lot of excitement in the hobby and around, around those cards, but you know, I don't, I, I don't have any of them. It it feels like it, it feels like to me that we've been on this run post Brady Mahomes Super Bowl of the football card market just continuing to elevate and position itself in a place of prominence that it wasn't at before. And alongside that, I feel like has been this, uh, you know, it was Brady and Mahomes and then people started paying attention to Manning and then. Then there became this obsession with these young, unproven quarterbacks. And then it's like, it doesn't matter how good they are or how unproven they are, as long as there's, you know, four or five, like people are going to gravitate, gravitate to those guys. And then, you know, breakers break and they're breaking all of these products and all of these cards are getting pulled all of the time. So they're what, there's what fills up Instagram. And so I think like the perception is, especially for people who are new to the hobby are like, these are the cards I need to get. And these are, these are what are going to allow me to level up when in all actuality, like very few of those cards will survive at the prices that they are because these guys still have to hit the field and actually win games. And so I don't know, like my, to me that this, I'm not saying this is bad in that this the interest doesn't drive new people into the hobby. I just, I'm a little concerned at like the short term pass the buck mindset on a bunch of these unproven guys and just the commercialization of it from the hobby perspective. It just seems like it's not a good place to position. It's not a good way to position people to come into the hobby and stay for a long time. Yeah. Because the, the flipper mentality is, is, is in my opinion, it is an issue. It's an issue long-term. Short-term, it's fine. But even short-term, I don't like it because somebody is holding the bag, period. 
somebody's always going to be holding back, whether it's a new collector, an old collector, a younger kid, an older guy, a girl, it doesn't matter. But the problem is that's the issue that I have with it. Whereas like you can go buy a Manning card or, or a Brady or Aaron Rodgers, whatever the case may be. And yeah, maybe a couple years from now, it's worth a little less. Maybe it's worth a little more. Maybe it's worth a lot more, right? But it's not going to be worth nothing, okay? And I think a lot of these guys need to do a, a real hard look back. And they need to look back and see the prices of some of these guys three, four, five years ago that don't play anymore, right? And, and, and say, hey, well, you know, how much was a so-and-so's gold prism in 2015, 2016, and how much is it now? Or is it even worth anything? I mean, there's probably cards that were worth four or five thousand dollars that are a hundred bucks. I mean, your your boy Luck is a, is a, is a good example, and it's it sucks. But like, look at him, man. He was he had a Hall of Fame career go right. So so and and nobody saw that coming. Nobody saw that coming. I hope dude, we don't see it with Mike Trout, but who knows? To- dude, I see like even like what we just talked about is it's kind of crazy and it's gambling. It's insane. But then the next level of insanity is even seeing like these prices on like trash cards and like Kellen Mond and like these guys who aren't even like, they're not even playing, but like people are just like selling off of the potential. And then prospecting is a part of the hobby, man. We all know that, but it just, it seems like it's, it's gone a little sideways and it's gone quickly. And I'm like on this investigation right now, trying to determine like, why is this happening at the rate it's happening? And while there is a lot of excitement when these cards get pulled is what is happening at the national or six months from now or a year from now, is it going to keep people in the hobby or are they just going to be left holding the bag? So I don't know. I, I just figured you were there. I'm guessing there are plenty of showcases of a lot of unproven talent <laughs> across the board. Yeah. And, and you touched on one thing, Brett, that, that, that is concerning. And, you know, my buddy actually kind of fell into it a little bit. He, he's a good buddy of mine, been buddy for years, but he just kind of started collecting a couple of years ago and we've been guiding him and, and, and he's been making really good moves, but you watch these breaks online and they only show you the highlights. So when they pull a gold vinyl of anybody, forget about it being any good, right? I don't think people realize how many boxes they ripped, how many tens of thousands of dollars or boxes they ripped to get that card right and he was like he was on the on the fence of buying brady uh gold refractor that he found versus a box of prison right and the box prison was three grand it was it was 2020 first off the line football and he wound up going with the box of prison because i get it like there was also a lot of break excitement going on at the national right it was super the one end of it was super loud there was always something going. There was kids jumping all over the place. They were giving stuff away. I think it was great. It was, it was cool. It was, a lot, it was excitement. But it could deliver a false narrative to where, you know, well, every box you're going to get something decent because mm-hmm. Brett, his $3,000 box of cards, I don't think he had like 100 bucks worth of cards in there. It's, it's horrible. It's insane, right? And he was like, I can't believe this box is so bad because – he doesn't really know, and he watches probably a lot of the, the, the breaks, and you see the hits. I mean, you can't not watch it. You follow a couple of, sure. of you know, you're going to see guys pulling huge cards, which is awesome. I mean, card porn alone, you're going to see, you're going to see, you know, sick hits. That's what that's what the accounts was initially designed for. But 
it does create like a false mindset to where you're thinking, oh, 3,000 bucks for a box of cards? I should get at least a $500 card. You'd think you would, right? But you don't. And it's kind of, and, and I feel like that's kind of ruined it for me. Because like I said, I, I love, I used to love opening packs. And dude, I never do it anymore. Like, <laughs> or if it's cheap, I'll buy like an old box of Chrome or something like that. That's it. No doubt about it. I want to maybe like give some, as we're kind of closing out, maybe like share some perspective on activations of maybe some of the, were there any like business or operation that you saw at the show that like stood out and you're like, all right, like I have confidence in this business or like this business is approaching an event like the national in a way as a customer that I would expect maybe give you an opportunity to maybe give some flowers to anyone who you think was doing it right. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I noticed tops really all the big, the big guys, they were doing it right, man. Tops, Panini, they really, they were giving away lots of product. They had tons of young kids running around. They had all kinds of loud stuff going on. I really wasn't paying attention to all of it, but I could see it. I could see the excitement. They were legitimately building excitement. Golden auctions, their booth was insane. It was beautiful, right? They had all the right stuff in there. PWCC did a phenomenal job. They always do. They had just the right display of cards in, 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 in both booths, right? They, they had all the stuff you'd want to see, right? All, all, the, st- all the shiny stuff you want to see, uh, all the vintage stuff you want to see. They had great booth representation. I feel like especially with PWCC, you could have walked up to that booth and talked to somebody pretty easily without feeling uncomfortable. The golden booth was, was pretty excessive. I mean, it was, it, it was a nice spot. I will say that like, with PSA, I was kind of disappointed on 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 how they how they ran it because I was very well prepared with my I had some stuff to 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 reholder and try to cross over and stuff like that. And you know, did all the forms ahead of time. It wasn't too bad dropping them off because I got lucky. I didn't realize it. And when I went back, the line to pick them up, I mean even it was supposed to be a guaranteed four hour service. The line to pick them up, it went the next day and it was just a mess. I mean, there was like one person getting people's orders. And there was like a line of probably 60 people. Uh, I think they could have probably did a better job, but in the end, it was fine. You know, I got, got everything I wanted. It was all good. Um, got some, some stuff reholdered and that I didn't want to ship. Um, so they had, but, but like I said, I feel like they could have did a better job, especially people that, you know, did everything ahead of time, like their website asked to do. I think part of that was, I was shocked that all the people that didn't do anything, right? They're just like standing there with a box of cards that they brought from home that they want to grade and they're going to like fill out the paperwork while they're there. It is mind blowing. I mean, there's, there was a lot, dude. So when you, when you, to close it out, when you think about the national 2022 in Atlantic city, what will be the one thing, you know, five to 10 years from now that you remember what stands there's out the, to you? The last year of the hot corner. The hot corner is no longer after RIP. RIP. I didn't. This is breaking news. What's happening? Oh, with this the is hot breaking corner? news. Oh, for I mean, me, I may not. I, may, maybe I wasn't supposed to leak it, dude. So maybe uh, <laughs> it happened. But yeah. So so I guess there was some there was some uh, you know change in in management or how how they how they issue the booths, mm. and now it's a lottery type service. It's going to be a lottery service. So so they can't you know have that, which is a shame because yeah. dude. The hot corner. I mean, honestly, you got like Mike with MC sports cards. I spent all my money there in Chicago. All of it. 
Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you did. A lot of people did. But the the, the inventory in that corner is you could just stay there. Like that could be a card show in itself. You got you got Kevin's. It's a captain. RBI crew. You got Mike's MC Sports Cards. His his stuff is ridiculous. I mean, it's just and it was moving, dude. Like I remember, I got there. He had some ridiculous Brady's. And he still had a couple ridiculous Brady's towards the end, but there were a couple missing, man. I mean, like huge cards, huge cards. So, yeah, and the mantles, I mean, saw some really nice mantles, which you see at every national. see a lot of 52 mantles. It's the best, but where I bought mine in 2015 or whatever. Um, and, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's the place to find one because, you know, I appeal to everything on that card and you get your pick there. Awesome. So. Joey, appreciate you coming on, sharing your perspective. It just made me, I think I'm going to get off this call with you and book my hotel for Chicago next year. So I, I make sure I don't have anything that gets in the way because there was certainly some FOMO going on and I'm glad you could bring your perspective on the show and share it with the listeners. Appreciate it. Man. Oh yeah, man. Anytime. Thanks for having me on again. And uh, yeah, I hope to see you next year, hopefully before then. Take care, buddy. Thanks, man. It is always good to catch up with Joey, longtime hobby participant. Sounds like he had a good national and offered some really good feedback for you. Let's start planning Chicago right now. See you all there. We only got a year to wait in between now and then. Let's enjoy this damn hobby. Let's collect some cards. Let's get out of here and enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you soon.